Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Jake to my Natiri. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I feel bad for anyone who knows what you're referencing. And yeah, I was gonna say if you understand that reference. Um, uh, so, we so my friend, you. my friend. Okay, so someone I know, Phil. His name's Phil. Uh, Phil uh, owns. He lives in Kentucky, and he races horses. He owns some racing horses. Yeah, yeah. He had two new horse. He has two new horses, oh, and no. he was asking. He put it in the group chat, like, "Hey guys, you got any good uh, horse names that we could use?" Remember, seventeen characters or less. <laughs> my friend Brad put in the chat. He put Jake Sully. Remember the guy from Avatar? That's the guy from Avatar. Like the, I wrote that whole thing, and he's like, "Guy, he was like Brad, perfect name, but it has to be seventeen characters." Uh, that's really dumb because it's so stupid. Because no one, no one remembers that Jake Sully nope. is the name of the guy from Avatar. Okay, all right, we'll get it. We'll get into it. If you're like uh, Jake little... Sully, people are like, "I didn't know that the guy from Monsters Inc. His name was Jake." That's. That's a no wait. Jake Sully is the that's Mark Wahlberg's character in The Departed, right? Jake, <laughs> Jake <Dad> Sully. <laughs> okay, anyway, <clears throat> see, there was a Seahawks game this week. Oh, I guess we do have to talk about that. <laughs> I I don't I don't I I wish for your sake that you did not watch all of it, but if you did, good for you. If you watch, I want like us. Sorry, I'm gonna talk about the good stuff first. So we're gonna go straight to offense. Straight to dessert. Um, the offense was the offense. Okay, we obviously have like one mega glaring weakness. Kevin, I want you to talk about that. What is the, there is a, there is a massive weakness in this offense, a weak link of just gargantuan proportions. Both in that it is a weak link and that they are massive. I guess so, yeah. The (laughs) interior of our offensive line is a problem. Um, If you want to play a drinking game in which you die, you should take a shot every time Gabe Jackson is in the backfield within two seconds of a play starting. Um, but then you'll die. It's it's terrible. There were so many run plays where it's like the ball was being handed off and Gabe Jackson and a defensive player were standing next to the running back. I mean, the run blocking in general is leaving something to be desired, but it's definitely starting in the middle. Blythe is not it right now. Blythe's pass blocking has been mostly middling. It was very bad in this game. He got worked by Grady Jackson. He gets like turnstiled at least once a game, though. I will will tell you. Like there's one play a game that jumps off the tape where it's like, oh, yep. So in this game, there was two. But yeah, yeah, he's just. He definitely has those anybody can be beat moments. And by anybody, we mean him. Yeah, but the run blocking, oof, it has just been. It's been tough. It's been tough sledding. I mean, throughout his career, he's never been a, a plus pass blocker except for in, in 2018. Um, he's been a – his pass metric – his like the metrics we like to look at, he's been pretty bad basically the rest of his career at pass blocking. And at run blocking, he's just not – he's not – it's not working right now. The run game is just not working in general. It's really – it's been really difficult for this team to get r- rushing plays going, and it's, it's mostly because a lot of guys are getting hit in the backyard. Back – backfield i mean we averaged 2.74 yards after contact per attempt in this game which is really good yeah like that that would lead me to believe that we should be averaging about five yards per rush and oh look we did average five yards per rush that just shows how good the running backs are playing compared compared to how crappy well did you notice we switched a lot to outside zone and i think part of the reason why is if you look our tackles are actually competent and on 20 on 23 designed runs, Kevin, we ran out, we ran zone 17 of those. So, yep. yeah. And uh, those outside runs, I think, make a lot of sense. If you look on plays where we're rolling a tight end up and running to the strong side, whether it's Fant or Disley, both of them have been good run blockers. And you're seeing them pair up and really cave in the edge on whichever side that they're on. Um, on one of the longer penny runs, it was uh, Lucas and Disley teaming up to just cave in that side. On one of the run plays, it got called back when we had that series of holding penalties on our interior offensive linemen. Uh, mm-hmm. That was Cross and Fant just, again, sealing the edge and putting together a really nice run lane. So um, in these two tight end sets, the combo blocks with our uh, tight ends and our offensive tackles 
are setting up a successful situation for um and for our runs for you're seeing backs. it you're seeing success in the in the play action and then in the, in the in the passing game with these tight ends because of that their proficiency in blocking they're good at blocking but they're also good at receiving i mean individually none of these guys are having like eye-popping numbers but if you add all their numbers together this game they went nine catches on nine targets for 105 yards and a touchdown like that's that is a high quality output from your tight ends, and so yeah, the tight ends look good. And I think you're seeing the benefit of a guy like Gino who can really hit work the tight ends in the middle, the middle intermediate part of the field in a way that Russ didn't. Right? And also they, they, a strength of Walker's play calling, right? Yeah, we saw a couple of really good schemed uh, passes to the tight end, the long catch and run for Parkinson, the 36 yarder to the outside. That was a situation where they basically ran a flood concept. And Parkinson was able to get open, kind of running at an angle towards the sideline to create a little extra space. It was a good scheme open. Uh, On the seam pass to Disley, they, again, kind of flooded the seam at the beginning and uh, made a really obvious place for Smith to to be watching to see who kind of came uncovered. Disley came uncovered. He was wide open, and it was a pretty easy... uh, throw for the first touchdown for the team. Um, yeah. I feel like the offensive scheming has been pretty good. Uh, Geno Smith is really limited. They This game, I feel like they opened it up. They tried to ask him to do a little bit more. He had a few more big-time plays, but his turnover-worthy plays were a problem. Behind the interior offensive line, I think the second biggest problem was Geno Smith passing it directly to defensive backs and linebackers or throwing hospital balls to uh, Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I like I said, I don't Gino, we could win with Gino. I'm not like I don't love him. <laughs> don't get me don't get it twisted. I would much rather have a better quarterback than Gino Smith. But at this point, like the point has Pete's point has been proven. We could be winning with Gino, but there's a lot of pieces. There's a lot more that goes into that. We the, we have two rookie tackles, offensive tackles, and although they are playing um I think really good for rookies. They are our it's best not, offensive linemen right now. It's not like they're amazing. They're not, they're not, um, crosses, cross has been pretty impressive, but he gave up a sack in this game. He had some struggles in this one more than he has in the past. And I mean, they leave him on an Island on every play. And so it's, it makes his life difficult, but that's kind of what he's going to need to be his whole career. And so I, I like the idea of trial by fire, get him in there, let him work against, you know, uh, their best pass rusher and, and hope that you can. You can make that happen. And then Lucas, you know, another solid game for him. Those guys are good, but they're not they're not there yet. They're not a hundred percent, right? They gave up five total pressures between the two of them. We're not, we're not they're not finished products. And so it's it's pretty hard for me to I have a bit of a different question. Like it's like it's like, yeah, they're 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 good. They're solid. Like if the interior offensive line was good, I mean they they would uh, the line would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because they're good enough. They're they're above league average starters, but they they aren't what they will be 3 years from now. Those guys will be better than league average starters. Yeah, we guaranteed. actually have a pretty average offensive line overall because the pass blocking is outpacing the run blocking by quite a bit. Yeah. I'm wondering if and I'd be curious what your thoughts are. I felt like Lewis was doing a lot better at right guard before we moved him over for bringing Gabe Jackson mm-hmm. in. I would be interested in seeing what happens if we bring in a left guard and move Lewis back to his more natural position. Yeah, and just get put shoot Gabe Jackson into the sun, like cut yeah. him or yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. To I be mean, honest with Haynes you. is playing pretty much the same. So if we can get better play out of Lewis at right guard and bring Haynes in to be mediocre it, at left guard instead of having Jackson be mediocre to bad at right guard. If Jackson, if we traded Jackson or even cut him, I wouldn't even mind at this point because he doesn't fit the timeline. Okay. Like our team is going to be good in, you know, two years. And by that time he'll be 33 and we'll have to, uh, he's already looking to resign him because we got him under contract for one more year. So if we cut him this year, we have to pay him 3 million extra. So I doubt that happens, but next year we can cut him for 3 million dead cap. So, I would say we either ride him out this season or we trade him uh, if we can get some value. But there's not 2023. I think it would be I'd be surprised if we ran it back with Gabe Jackson. I feel like we could bring in any decent rookie and then sign a just stable hand and it's going to be better. There are like a million Gabe Jacksons of the way Gabe Jackson's playing now, especially there are a million Gabe Jacksons available every offseason. Yep. 
for to play to play guard. So the offense, though, overall twelfth in DVOA. The offense um, is is positive in EPA. Like they are not su- the offense is not super bad. They've been okay, not great in this game. It came down to a situation that we have kind of previewed on this podcast many times. Gino needed one good drive to win us the game, and he's and he's Gino Smith, guys. So. Yeah, I put uh, I put in my notes. I know that the game kind of went on after this, but I mean, really, uh, game ending on Jackson and Blythe getting beat inside and Gino throwing into quadruple coverage sums this game up really well. Yeah, it was it was just <laughs> like replace game with season. <laughs> and I think too is is that like Gino under pressure? Yikes! It's tough sledding. Yeah, not very good decision maker in that situation. Uh, the other thing right. is, I know oh, yeah. one last thing on offense, DK is catching a lot of flack, man. I don't understand it. I feel like DK has been balling out that touchdown. He played very physical. He's been getting open on slants. It's not his fault that we can't, that our quarterback can't get him the wall. I mean, he got 12 targets in this game and I thought like only a couple of them were really like uncatchable, but they, it was difficult. They were, they, a lot of them were high degree of difficulty catches because I think Gino, rightfully so, when he can't really find a good place to throw the ball, just says, okay, I'll just throw it up to DK. Who cares? And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that at some point this season, that might start to pay dividends. We're just not there yet. There was one play that it irritated me where like DK was running. I mean, he, and also he's being covered by AJ Terrell, who is like maybe the best young cornerback in the NFL, which does make a difference as well. Yeah, he's definitely a I mean, top 10 cornerback easily. So, okay, let, let's go to defense. I have one positive. Uh, actually, I have two, but I have one major positive. Uh, Tariq Woolen, congratulations on your first career interception. That was pretty cool. And um, it was a good pick. He yes, went up high point of the ball and out muscled Drake London, who's a big receiver for the football. That was cool. Yeah. He he is a real football player. I don't know if he'll ever be um, Richard Sherman, but he's definitely better than Trey Flowers. I'm, I'm pushing him past that point. In uh, guys who are not better than Trey Flowers territory, Mike... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, Mike Jackson is just really limited. Like, yeah, he's he just, just can't keep up to like receivers that have quickness. So there are guys on our defense that are playing a lot of snaps. Michael Jackson, uh, Cody Barton, uh, Daryl Taylor, Josh Jones, that are just not playing very much NFL quality football right now, especially situationally. So like they're. Each one of these guys is just failing situationally completely. Even Brooks is not playing super good right now. But I, when I watch him, it does feel like a guy who is just like pressing to try to make up for. Yeah, he's trying he, to play two linebacker positions simultaneously because he knows ain't nobody else gonna. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough out there. And like Taylor's still rushing the passer really well, but he's not doing anything else well. And I don't know how you really fix that right like there's so many plays where they run straight at if they can see if taylor and barton are like on top of each other i swear to god everyone just audible straight to that Wouldn't and then you? it's like and then it's like oh run play like there was that quarter patterson touchdown what did cody barton what was he thinking on that play cody like, barton takes horrendous angles of pursuit did you did you see he 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 goes to fill the gap that patterson runs is going to run into and then just decides randomly to just run into a uh a, a offensive lineman and it's like why why yeah it's what? almost like somebody told you like okay what you have to do is stack and then shed the offensive lineman and then you make the tackle and so in his head he's like okay i need to go find an offensive lineman so that i can shed them to then make the tackle and it's like he only reads what's on the teleprompter it was a total ron burgundy moment it's it's really frustrating that he is incapable of making instinctual plays he basically needs to guess right and then he's a heat-seeking missile if he were our fourth linebacker who comes in to rush the quarterback and can cover well enough that he's not a complete liability out there so yeah, if he never had to sure play blitzing, he never had to play on run defense yeah basically like bring him in on passing downs and he may or may not be blitzing that's a role that he can do bring him in on 57 total snaps and that's, that's we get all this. that's all of them that's all of the snaps that guys. was that was that was a lot more than we i wanted him to be in there for and it's gonna be like this basically all year we ran more offensive plays than atlanta in this game like i was like 
so pumped, you know, like, oh, we we finally like won the that battle, but it just Marcus Mariota is uh they have they just have like um high end skill position players and then they have those veterans that just do their job and are are good. Like their left tackle is just like a like an old head. Jake Matthews is just like an old head good player that I don't know even know why he's on the Falcons. Grady Jarrett, same thing. Just an old dude that still plays really good football. So and inexplicably is on Atlanta. Speaking of old dudes playing good football, uh, Al Woods got a lot of snaps at nose tackle, and I did think that worked better. Uh, our run, it, our run defense looked more stout with him in there. Yeah, the, when we have when we actually play guys on the nose, the run I, it's noticeably different, and yeah. I don't know why they don't have Monet out there on the nose more often. I, I'm one. I wonder if like what they see in practice that makes them think. But yeah, Al Woods did what fourteen nose snaps this game. And that's what I wrote down and they were all pretty. So I thought, yeah, like you said, on those 14 snaps were more solid than the, the rest of, of the, the rest of them yeah. where I we just play, seen... we play, we play trash can five man front with two <laughs> linebackers. And then, and then the, they run at the players who are bad. That's, that's generally what I feel like happens on the, the rest of the plays. Mafe, Mafe seems like a hit more and he's stout. Like he played yeah. really well in the run game and got a good hurry. And yeah, it's 19, 19, uh, only 19 snaps. But I mean, I, I really feel like by the end of the season, he's going to be playing, f- you know, 40 snaps a game. He's going to be the, the outside linebacker who's getting the most work because he can do everything. He's not, he's not a weakness in the run game and he can pass rush some. He got a, re- he got a pressure in this game. I, I think by the end of the season, we're seeing a lot more Boye Mafe and he's, I'm really excited about him. I think He's kind of replaced Taylor for me as like the most exciting edge player, which Taylor still rushes the passer really good. I think they just need to turn him into like a role guy. Yeah, I was going to say, I think if we start seeing a situation towards the end of the season where Mafe is playing like 60, 65 percent of the snaps and Taylor's coming in uh, to spell Nuosu and to take over for Mafe on like pass rush situations. Obvious passing. I feel like that is a role where all of a sudden... Taylor's productivity will increase because he doesn't have to worry as much about the parts of his game that aren't as good because he I mean, can cover respectably. It's just right now he's getting lit up in the run game and we don't have the linebacker support to help him with that. No. Yeah. It's like him. Yeah. They run right at him. They run right at Barton. Those well, then guys Josh just... Jones is the next layer behind them and yeah. Josh Jones misses a lot of tackles. So it's yeah, Josh a... Jones, Daryl Taylor and Cody Barton on that side. Yeah. I'd run there too. Josh, Josh Jones ain't it. That's all I'm going to say about Josh Jones. I, I, uh, I respect him. I think he's like, he's probably a good depth piece that that's around, but if you have to rely on Josh Jones, it's, it's a problem right now. 57 Josh Jones snaps is like 40 too many. Yeah. It's, he's the kind of guy like, he's like, I don't know. Is Ryan Neal still, still Ryan on, the still on the team? Uh, he's seems to be working back. I definitely could see giving Ryan Neal some more snaps because he knows what he's doing. That's the guy I want to see us kind of kind of get after here is that Ryan Neal. Uh, Ryan Neal could come in and really like kind of shape up our defense. And one thing, okay, I want to say one thing I'm sick of. Uh, Quandre Diggs going up onto the podium and saying that they suck and then acting like he played super good. It's like, dude, you did not play super good in this game. Like at best you played all right. So that 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 is kind of irritating me. Like he goes up there and he says stuff like, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna try to dispense some wisdom, but you know, I can only I can only dispense or I, I can only say it if they'll listen." It's like, I think it's not like- something Quandre is frustrated with, and I think that you can see it on tape. Is right now our corners and linebackers are struggling in zone coverage, and uh, they're struggling to understand when a receiver is passed off to a new zone. Um, let me double check my notes, but I'm trying to remember there was a specific play where, um, let's see, there was a specific play where uh, there was a receiver going, uh, a receiver playing on the uh, left side and they got open for a pretty long catch and run. Uh, and it was, oh yeah, Bryant, uh, didn't understand like where the pass off was. And so it looked like it was probably on Kobe Bryant, but all not of a sudden, Co- not Kobe. He's just, I don't understand. I thought he was supposed to be like the, the finished product guy and he just does not. 
Uh, maybe he, the, the he role is too different. Very different. Yeah, yeah. I was say the role is too different, and it's kind of hard for him. I could see that. I feel sure. like in general, though, our defensive backs are struggling with like passing off zone responsibilities, and so Quandre is constantly having to run halfway across the field for a ball that's already in the air to an open receiver. And I could see kind of playing that center field position being really frustrating in that case. I agree. The The way that he's voicing that is kind of frustrating. I, I, I can understand why as a fan, you wouldn't like hearing it that way, but I do think that he's right. Like he's not making a ton of great plays, but he also is having to cover a whole lot of ground in what's supposed to be a too high system. All right, you ready to talk Detroit Football Lions? Uh, you, oh wait, no, special teams still All good. Three phases. Yeah, special teams still good. I yeah. like, I like it. Special teams even number year, so our kicker's good. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, pun hub doing pun hub things. All right, so the the Lions so far this year, they played a thirty eight thirty five thriller against the Eagles. They beat the football team. 30, I'm still going to call them football team forever. I, don't, I know they're the commanders now, but it's just too fun. Honestly, football uh, team's a way better name. 36 to 27, they won. And then they went to Minnesota last week and almost pulled the upset. They were they lost 28-24. It's, um, it's interesting. Their most metrics aren't like loving the Lions. But when you watch them, they they play super hard. They they have a bunch of players that I feel like are really good, especially on offense. They're very um, they're competent. Off, their offensive line looks really solid. Yeah, like I when, would agree with I, that. When I'm Penny thinking Sewell, about the man. line, Penny Sewell is – I read a thing that he was like the highest rated on pro football focused right tackle in the league. I believe it because um, he looked is, really good. Which is 100% believable, exactly. Um, their offense looks pretty good. Amon Ross St. Brown has really come around. Even they, even if they're missing DeAndre Swift, they still have Jamal Williams, who is uh, pretty freaking good. Well, and that O-line, like you said, is the MVP of a run game. Yeah. They have yeah they have pretty solid guards. Their tackles are awesome. Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell are both really good football players. So the, the challenge for me in, in handicapping this game is, like, their defense is not good, and they're off. And they're like us. They're like a better – they're better Seahawks, right? They they kind of have the same problems. We similar style problems that we do, where their defense is kind of letting them down, especially in, in key spots, and their offense is moving the football, but has a, a couple uh, weak points. Their center is also not not super great, and also Jared Goff. Uh, he's attempted only sixteen passes over twenty yards on the season, and he's only completed five of those. Like Goff just can't throw it deep. They make a good number of long plays, but it's a lot of underneath catch and run stuff, which is what I'd love to see us doing more of. But also, I actually think that's kind of something that we can play pretty decently against. Yeah, he throws a lot of intermediate throws because his A dot still still not super low. Eight point seven yards per attempt is not like crazy average depth of target. Um, but he's he's just a pepper. He's not complete. He's not com- he's pepper in the middle of the field. He's not completing a very high percentage of his passes. Fifty nine percent is pretty low. If he can start to not to nice. get get a yeah ten ten away from nice, if he can start to get a little more accurate, they this team could really take off the Lions because they're close. They feel like their offense is right on the verge of being super good. And then, like I said, their defense. Um, they have a few guys on their defense who have been really like big letdowns this year. And they're really vulnerable in the run game. Like their run defense can be had. And that's something that does give me a little hope this year or this game, because um, that's something that we can actually do. Like up the middle, they have a lot of trouble stopping interior rush, which means mm-hmm. we might be able to work both the inside and the outside. They also have two cornerbacks. So, okay. So they have Okuda is actually kind of turning the corner. Seems like he's finally over the injuries. He's looking pretty good. He had a really good game last week. Yeah, uh, but they, and Will but Harris other, is like competent, but I say that, but the, Mike Hughes it, across the field from him, or Amani or Aruarie, yeah, Aruarie, they are they're on the struggle bus. It's and then and like you said, has the, been uh, injured off and on too, which is a problem. Their D line is like developing too. Another problem they have is that like their best defensive lineman is Aiden Hutchinson, and he is 
20, you know, 22 years old or right. Yeah. And being so a rookie the, in the NFL on the D line is hard. Exactly. And then they have like guys like they're rotating in that are just really, I don't think NFL quality players that that's something that we are, we have too. we have guys rotating in that just probably should be out of the league and they're given snaps to get same thing. They're given snaps to guys who probably shouldn't, shouldn't be getting snaps at all. So like I said, they're, they're, they're a lot, <laughs> they're a lot like us. Um, they're, they're solid, but not spectacular. Their offense moves the ball. Some their defense is, is prone to let, to letting you down. Uh, is their kicker only good in even number years? I don't know. I won't look it up. <laughs> so do they have a fantastic punter? I don't know. I also won't look that up. I care about all three phases of my team. Okay. So right now their estimated wins on football outsider says they should have 1.8 wins. So they're, we're at 1.2. So they're a little better than us, but it's not like a great, you know, crazy or anything. It's I guess that is the Atlanta game where it's kind of naturally close because both teams have some strengths and weaknesses that are overlap. Us, Atlanta, and Detroit are all teams that have a lot in common. They're all teams that are going to finish with middling records, but probably between you know five and nine wins for all three of those teams. Um, Atlanta might be worse because if if Mariota gets hurt, it's going to be a nightmare in Atlanta. That the the backup plan is Desmond Ritter, and I just can't. I think Desmond Ritter has a chance to be the best quarterback from last year's draft. That is more of a, about that's more of a comment about last year's draft. I do think then, it's interesting they brought Mariota in because of the same quarterback in a lot of ways. I mean, the thing about Ritter is, is of those of the quarterbacks from last year's draft, he was the one that like go went through progressions. All the other guys like either one read and ran, which is weirdly Kenny Pickett was like that too. Yep. Ke- Kenny Pickett wasn't like a go look 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 throw guy. He was like a look throw run, like yep. which it, you know you don't think of Kenny Pickett as a speed demon, but that's what he did. And so, like, Ritter was the one guy who, like, actually went through questions. But, I mean, a lot of games, Cincinnati just outmatched the other team. Are we ready to do just... a path to the victory, though? Oh, yeah. I'm, I don't, we don't need to do a Desmond Ritter in Atlanta uh, podcast. Uh, sure. The path to the victory. We injure Goff. <laughs> <laughs> Go love. Do you know who the backup quarterback for the Detroit Lions is, Kevin? Is it Blau still? Oh, man. It is Nate Sudfeld. Uh, you know, with our history against backup quarterbacks, though. Come on. You don't like the injured Jared Goff plan. This is not. I don't know how much the fall off is going to be. That's all I'm. How? Saying. Okay. Nate Sudfeld. How how old do you think Nate Sudfeld is? Let's see. Nate Sudfeld was a fifth year senior for Indiana before Michael Penix. So that'd be like 2018 or 2017. So he's like his, 23 when he was, is he like 28 or 29? He's 28. And yeah, his first season was, <laughs> his first season was 2017. I'm not that he proud recorded of that. any stats on. He has, <laughs> he has appeared in four NFL football games uh, so far in his career. He has one touchdown, one interception, 188 yards. Uh, yeah, that's uh, all for the <laughs> Eagles too. I, I don't know. I'm Nate Sudfeld. I, he's one of those guys that's just stuck around forever. And I, I can never figure out exactly why. There's always like beat reporters always write nice things about him. Maybe he's real good in the film room. Maybe he's really just nice the next. Dude? Maybe he's just the next Geno Smith. Maybe I don't know. he. Uh, maybe he does a really can good. We, like he brings in really good ta- appetizers. Can we talk about one more thing? Okay. That's something that made me just like phys- feel physically ill. Okay, Bob Condota tweeted this. He tweeted. He tweeted that Pete basically said that like the defense should be able to round into form the way that they have the last couple years. Players um, only meeting. I I was he said <laughs> Pete Carroll was expressing optimism the defense is going to make the same second half turnaround as the last two years. He says it will be exactly the same this year. Exactly I, um, the same. So so we're gonna have six. We have we're 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 due for four or five more games of just horrifically bad defensive play and then and then the, the turnaround back half of a season of like top 10 defensive play okay but so what's going to change on the defense so let's let's okay let's give what could change the on... benefit of the doubt what defensively could lead to that result do you really want to know the answer the answer to this because it's not what it's not probably not what you're thinking shelby harris comes back and plays the rest of the season and then trey brown comes back and then and is as good as kind of the flash that we saw. Uh, Trey Brown replaces uh, plays across from. So from it's Avatar. Trey Quillen and uh, Trey Brown. 
Yeah, and then they're and they're actually both pretty solid the rest of the season. They kind of come along. Yeah, because I think uh, that's one of the things I looked up. Did you realize that uh, for um, edge players that are uh, playing at least sixty percent of snaps, or they play at least sixty snaps, which is kind of the cutoff for starters? Uh, Ichenna Nwosu is eleventh in total pressures. If our coverage was good, like the uh, long pass to um, Pitts you, over you... Uh, over Mike Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, Nuoso would have had a sack if the coverage didn't lead him leave an obvious open receiver. Like, they can't. Pitts could have had like two hundred yards in this game. He was open yeah, so Murray much. Yeah, was a better quarterback. He would have. Yeah, yeah he was really open. Heavy. He was basically open all the time. I was. I was. I was very concerned when. Uh, just the, it was very concerning to to see that. Yo, know, that's actually a really uh, good speculation, though. If Trey Brown can come back and like actually hold down a really solid job at uh, starting corner, that I think could be the shot in the arm our pass rush needs. Because Daryl Taylor is very active in the pass rush. Uchenna Nwosu is getting a lot of pressures. Boye Mafe has shown that he can handle both run responsibility and get pressures. I don't think we can do anything with our linebackers. Daryl Johnson is like Daryl Johnson over pursued or got pushed out of so many plays, uh, bringing him in. Once to... again, I said, just like the, just like the lions, we have some players who are in a rotation who probably shouldn't even be in the NFL. And so like, we can't fix the Cody Barton problem right now, but actually that's a really good observation. Was... I feel like if we can have, uh, if, uh, if Harris, Harris is really good. Like I, people are sleeping on Shelby Harris. That's a good football player. That was not like that was not nothing for us to get him in that trade. No, that's a legitimate football player. I agree. And so if we're able to get, uh, let's see, what is it that we would need? Harris playing instead of Quentin Jefferson. Harris playing yeah. instead of Q Jeff, and um, also then Q Jeff being able to give Puna a breather a little bit more often. Um, that also would let us play a little bit more true nose. We have Brown come in and hold the other cornerback spot. And then uh, we swap out our safety when Ryan Neal is fully healthy and ready to go. We have Ryan Neal playing instead of Josh Jones. Yeah, that's a situation where I could see our defense playing a lot better. Okay, there's a path. Mm -hmm. Because then you're talking about Nuosu coming on the second half. And I definitely could see in that scenario, Daryl Taylor, Boye Mafe, both have like five plus sacks. Shelby Harris has about that many. And Uchenna Nuosu, like starts pushing up against double digits. I mean, that's yep, that's pretty much it. It's like the the defense is going to improve by getting healthy and not and less by anything changing in terms of formation or or anything like that. I think we're pretty committed to trying to do this uh, this three man front, play a lot of nickel. I think our plan was to play a lot of nickel with Jamal in the box, and it it uh and then we lost Jamal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, losing Jamal for the season was kind of a a turning point. He was playing good in that first game, and it just it's, that's another it guy is. who takes good angles and tackles really well against the run too. Like have like plugging in Jamal over uh, Barton in a lot of those situations where he's cleaning up for uh, you know Daryl Taylor getting blown out, and you're looking at what became a ten yard run only being like a five yard run, and that makes a difference. By the way, uh, Geno Smith is so far this season has been pretty much across the board better stats than Russell Wilson. Um, he has better completion percentage, uh, better, more touchdowns. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's neither here nor here nor there. I just don't think we would we wouldn't be that much better with Russ. So let's get into uh, let's get into. Uh, oh wait, we got to talk about how we can beat the Lions. Yep, how we can and beat it, and then pick. Oh yeah, you 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 want you wanted you wanted a serious answer, not injure Jared Goff. Yeah. Oh okay. How do we? Do you want beat me to go first? Lions? I could stall for you a little bit. How do we beat the Lions? Uh, we Geno Smith gets a couple big plays. Uh, turnover. Jared Goff's gonna. Jared Goff turns the ball over like once a game, even when he's playing good. We have to make that turnover matter. That turnover has to mean something. Um, and then the defense needs to uh, to not goff off his spot, make him make mistakes. But also the offense. I have faith. The offense is going to score points regardless of regardless of what happens. So it's really, can our defense do good enough to, to slow down the offense, their offense uh, and keep us ahead? Gino can't play from behind. We have to be ahead at the end of the game. So that should be our, that should be our goal. All right. What do you think? 
I think you're pretty much there. Um, the running backs had five runs of 10 plus yards last game, and we need to have a similar thing. And probably one of those runs has to break for a long one. Then catch and run is where our pass game is going to really do something. So maybe it's Fant. Uh, probably it's DK. Somebody catches a ball, breaks a tackle, or kind of shakes open and has a long way to run. Like we just need a couple of people to make plays to make things a little easier for Gino. And I agree, we have to play with a lead. Uh, once we're playing with a lead, it forces them to throw the ball more with Goff. And every time Goff throws, that's a chance to make a play, um, get an interception, strip sack, something like that. Uh, we're going to give up some points because they're going to be able to run the ball on us. They're a very good, efficient running team. And our run defense has been a little suspect. Uh, but if we could play from ahead, then them running the ball and bleeding the clock actually plays into our advantage. So yeah, get up early. Maybe the turnover from Goff happens in the first quarter. We're able to get points off that, get up by double digits, and then kind of both teams end up bleeding the clock away and the Seahawks come away with a victory. Um, something like, I don't know, like 27, 20 or 27, 24 or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm my actual prediction of this game. I'm just going to go the the Lions uh, find a way to win because the Seahawks are behind by one score the whole game. And then maybe they tie it up or they, we just need one more drive to get into field goal range and we're just not able to, to finish the job like, like we have been. So I'm going to say it's going to be like a score like 31-28, something like that. What Lions. And I, I'll say this too. You know, at this point in the season – it, it sucks that we're, we're losing a lot and we're going to keep losing a lot. And it's not fun to, to keep losing a lot, and lose a lot, but at least we didn't have like super high expectations, right? We're not the Cardinals. Arizona thought they were going to be good this year and they're like the worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. Or we so, could be uh, the Chargers like, with their injury bug. We could be, <laughs> there's be nothing, there's nothing Arizona is doing right now. That is, that is good. I don't think San Francisco is bad, though. That's the thing. San Francisco is good. They just they need Jimmy G to round into form because they, he didn't play all preseason. So he hasn't played in a long time. He just sat around, and that was a mistake. They should have just brought him back sooner. I don't know. Whatever. A little bit of arrogance there. 49ers, um, yeah. There's a little arrogance for sure that they could just plug in a guy who's been on his couch. It's a classic Niners. But... I think uh, Seattle has to settle for uh, field goals a little bit too often. And it's uh, 28-23 Detroit. All right. Uh, there there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as dollar twenty four month, join the Discord, hear the Picks podcast, and uh, all that good stuff. So, yeah, uh, help us out. Uh, it uh, It's it's very it – I mean, we buy things like Pro Football Focus and Football Outsiders and NFL Plus and all that stuff that adds up, and you guys can help us uh, stay in the stay in the green. Uh, that, that was not a weed reference. Okay. It is legal. Yeah, but I mean, maybe, maybe I do want to stay in the green. Who knows? So, okay. Uh, I said so, so much in this podcast, and I apologize now. There's a there's, that's Movie difficulty club. when you have two very tired teachers at the end of September yeah. trying to hold a podcast together. So we officially blame Movie her. Movie club. <laughs> this week, returning to theaters in three dimensions. Can, can we talk about th- three can dimensions? We, can we talk about 3D movies for a second? They watch every dimension. Yeah, go ahead. So 3D movies, you know, in 2009 or in 2008, we get like a, a whole slew of 3D movies building up to the big 3D movie, the one that actually looks good in 3D, which Dread. is Avatar. Oh, I Dread looked good in 3D too, but I'm saying like Avatar was the one where it was like, oh, this is what this technology is supposed to be like, but no one else has the money and pull like James Cameron does to, to, uh, to make this happen. Right. It's just, it's just not a thing. So anyway, avatar hits theaters in 3d. Uh, you can see it in theaters now. Um, I can looking at my show times here. It's in about, I don't know, 15 theaters near me. So Avatar 2009, I'll start with this though. Has there ever can, so this movie was at the time, the highest grossing movie worldwide of all time, the high, one of the highest grossing American movies of all time. 
uh, it has been surpassed since, but I think mostly due to inf- inflation, you know, there's, there's, this movie is still an absolutely enormous box office uh, accomplishment. It feels like Infinity War kind of cheated their way over the finish line at the end there. Um, is, okay, what is the cultural impact of the of the movie Avatar, Kevin? Um, the proliferation of papyrus as a font? Yeah, I, I don't, I can't figure that out. Like, there's really, there's really no cultural, this movie has had like negative if you could tell me the name of three characters from this movie, like the character names, not the actors. So, you know, you're not going like, oh, yeah, there's like Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana and Stephen Langer in this movie. Like, yeah, I know that. But if you could tell me the three of the characters names, there's grizzled bad guy in the helicopter fight scene. And guy doesn't he get in a mech? Who... He gets in a mech at some point. There's too, right? a mech. Yes, that's that happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I just like you know, Na- Natiri. Natiri is a name that I remember because that was like the the main uh, blue person character that was Zoe Saldana. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They had name. There was a name for that race. What were they? What were they called? The blue people. You got it. Nailed the blue it. people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, Not. It's just weird. It's just weird that this movie feels like it entered society. I will openly admit this movie looked great in the theaters. When I saw this in the theater in 3D, I was like, dang, this looks cool. Can I back your point? When someone yeah. says, uh, when someone's talking about like screen, uh, some type of visual sin of visual entertainment medium, and they say, oh yeah, I was watching Avatar the other day. I forgot how good that is. What do you immediately assume they're talking about? Oh, the anime. The the Avatar The Last Airbender. That is 100% yeah, the correct. anime. You and every other person on Earth immediately assumes that is what they are talking about. By the way, uh, Avatar got a Netflix show and they announced like a bunch more of the casting uh, today. And it looks pretty sweet. I'm like, Ooh. I'm pretty excited about Avatar the Netflix show. I'm definitely show. more excited re- about that than the next five Avatar I really, movies. I <laughs> really hope that it hits because the, the movie was so bad. Oh, you dude, know, like that's this, not even a thing. Yeah, this is, it's, it's, um... It's difficult. The degree of difficulty moving anime to live action has proved to be it's proved to be a bridge that is really difficult to cross. And um, I actually like the one that I think did a really good job with it. That is is pretty sweet is the ghost ghost in the shell movie. But everyone hates that except me. I just thought it was I thought it was solid. I had to kind of ignore, you know, like the they made the character white thing. But like I just like I don't know. The movie's actually not not horrible and it looks great anyway. Back to our back to our topic at hand. Avatar, two thousand nine, uh, James Cameron's. I like or, how you're saying it, except you're not using Schwamm voice, but you're using Schwamm cadence. Avatar, yeah. two thousand nine. Oh, James how Cameron. time does go <laughs> by. Uh, okay, A young so, Schwamm at the twenty seventh Street Regal Cinema, sitting in the ninth yeah. row, eating mm-hmm. popcorn and three hot dogs. <laughs> Sorry, the. Uh, okay, the coolest thing about this movie is it gave us Sam Worthington, a guy who was literally living in his car before he got this role, and uh, like he just took off after from that point forward. Like, was he said that when he was when he was like um, reading for Avatar? Like, yeah, he and movies came. He, the thing that's funny is he got other roles because of Avatar that came out before <laughs> Avatar came out. He was in the Terminator movie. Uh, and he got that role basically because of Avatar, but Avatar came out after Terminator Salvation, which is a bad movie, by the way. Um, you know why? Good payday for him, though. You what? know why? McG. Anyway, <laughs> I I I, I have a I have a hate hate relationship with McG. If anyone wants to talk to me about it, hit me in the Discord. I just hate McG. Um, okay, it makes you kind of bitter that Babysitter was actually a fun movie. Anyway, so I'm kind of I want to admit something to you. I have an admission. Um, so. Okay, I watched Avatar 2009 in theater. I thought it was like pretty sweet. I watched it again like seven years later, maybe like 2016, definitely before the pandemic, but like long after it came out and I could not focus on it. It was so boring. The story is just so generic. It's just so boring. It's like a really, really, really boring movie. Um, There's some like interesting themes in here, like the imperialism and like the ecology stuff. It's like it's like interesting, but the story is just so boring that without the like gripping visuals of the 3D theater version, it's like barely worth watching. 
So what I would say is if you've never seen this movie, well, it's in theaters right now in 3D XD. Go do that. Don't don't waste your time watching it on I don't know what streaming service is on. It's on Fox. This is a Fox movie. Uh, uh yeah, is, 20th Century Fox. So yeah, don't watch this on Disney Plus or Hulu. I don't it know is which one it it's is on. not currently streaming on any of those. You yeah, have okay, to pay well, money if you want to watch it. Don't do that. Uh watch it. Go to the theater. And I'm kind of excited to see the new one in the theater. Because I expect another like virtuoso visual performance, visual feast, right? But like, I'm not going to make any comments about it. This is not going to be a good movie. It's going to look good. It's it costs two hundred and fifty million dollars to make. It will be a James theatrical Cameron, experience, and it's three D again, right? Well, and it's James Cameron, so you know the audio is going to be on point. His audio mixing everything, is always really good. Everything's on point. James Cameron rules. He's super good. Is I have a question. Is this movie in 3D again? I just kind of assumed, I guess. I don't know. I kind of assumed as well. So I'm going to like go to the Wikipedia page and put Cameron say there's a possibility that the film could be shown in glasses free 3D, but he doesn't think the technology is there yet. He does not want Avatar scheduled to be released in real D 3D. Mm, IMAX 3D. All right. We can see it. I I think I want to see it in 3D then because that was the coolest thing about the first Avatar movie was the, the 3D visuals were excellent and it's the it's the 3d movie that really did the most for me it wasn't gimmicky you know like when you saw my bloody valentine 3d and the the, the axe comes out of the screen it's gonna hit you in the face you know it's not that that is not like 50 smell-o-vision type thoughts (laughs) and it's and it's not tacked on like where they were just like oh yeah let's let's just add 3d to spider-man and give give our audience a headache and the corners of the screen will be really dark like that 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 was like a that was like the other kind of 3d movie there was gimmick 3d and then like terrible tacked on post-production 3d that people did this what this is actually gonna be cool so i'm i'm excited i'm pumped i'm ready to see it um i'm i'm more excited than any reasonable person should be but once again avatar has had literally zero cultural impact and was the highest grossing movie. I mean, other than for people to make fun of it, like the papyrus gag from Saturday Night Live, which if you're not watched it, it is so funny. It's um, Ryan Gosling and he's really torn up because the original Avatar movie used the font papyrus. It's yeah. (laughs) I feel like if you're a graphic designer, that will especially hit home. Or if you've ever done anything like that, because everyone, I'll post a link to it in the things. I'll post a link to it in the discord, but I mean, like, I think anyone who like has to make a bunch of like PowerPoints, like teachers do or anything like that, you have certain fonts that you just like hate. You just, you just get so sick of seeing them and yeah, like you don't want to see them anymore, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like that. It's, (laughs) it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, it's it's hard to. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny joke. And now a lot of people just making fun of it, faking fun of, uh, Avatar, but in a way that like you don't even have to watch the movie to get the jokes. All you gotta know is that it's like blue aliens, and that's it. The, the, the whole joke is that you know, yeah. it's, there's no, there's no other joke. Oh, it's Smurfs. It's Ferngully. It's, it's Pocahontas. Uh, Pocahontas in space. It's yeah, yeah. The problem is you can make a lot of lazy jokes about it because it's kind of a lazy movie. And do you okay? So make a prediction. Do you think this movie will be better? than the first one uh man i really have not at all bothered to keep track of it okay um, so the story gonna... can i get you want me to give you a little information yeah go for it um the story is by the 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 writing duo that made rise of the planet of the apes dawn of the planet of the apes jurassic Ooh, world that is good. uh the new the new mulan movie so they wrote the they wrote the sto- the seed story for the first two avatar or for the two new avatar movies and then you know james cameron gave it the screen treatment with and josh a, friedman who's the dude who did the war of the worlds movie where the writing was not very tight i i like that war of the worlds movie but i don't like it because of the writing i think that guy is just there to like help make sure know, james, everything's james cameron directly. james cameron yeah james cameron doesn't want to do all the work <laughs> but like it's going to be a lot of james cameron in this movie so it's, we just got to really hope that he he nails the story because like if this movie nails the story it won't just make this movie better it'll make the first movie better too I mean, he mostly makes really good movies. If you look at the movies that he wrote, like we're talking bangers. We're talking, you know, uh, first two Terminator movies. Uh, we're talking Aliens, uh, True Lies. Very fun movie. Uh, the Abyss. Like we're talking about some some pretty well written, interesting. Titanic movies. is a good movie. 
Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> like the, the problem is, is he hasn't made a movie in 13 years. Like this is this. He's had a lot of time to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> There's no excuse, man. He's got to be good. All right. Any any final thoughts about Avatar one or two? Uh, are you, which kingdom are you? Fire, earth, wind, uh, air or heart. water? No, heart isn't one of the kingdoms. <laughs> hey, you want? I want to talk about that though. I've always, this is I've never had a platform to talk about this, but a lot of people trash on the heart kid. Okay, but that kid has the most. The, he has the best power of all those people. Not to mention you know, the heart kid. One guy like, could be doing something incredibly vicious, and he actually is super decent right. about it. The thing is, it's like the one guy's like, "Oh, I can shoot fire. I can make a tornado. I can move rocks." This kid's like, "I could mind control you." But he doesn't do it because he's not like a bad person. What's wrong with that? Like, oh, this guy's using his powers responsibly. Let's make fun of that. Like, don't make fun of that kid. That kid, if he, if we, if we make fun of that kid too much, he'll turn on us. And then I'm about to say, if you make fun of that kid too much, then it becomes the Twilight Zone episode with the kid who closes people's mouths over the skin. Exactly. I didn't use a soundboard once in this episode. Um, Should I just pick one at random here? Do it. All right. Let's do. uh, Let's do this one. For Kevin, for myself. Well, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. Papyrus.